My name is Lex, and this week on Spidey Signals, me and my co-host Alex discuss the first half of season two of Greg Wiseman and Victor Cook's The Spectacular Spider-Man, supervillain fursonas, and anarcho-primitivism. Get ready to arrive in the speed of time, because it's time for Spidey Signals. Welcome back to Spidey Signals, the podcast where two guys with the same name talk about Spider-Man. I'm Lex. And I'm Alex. Last week, we capped off season one of The Spectacular Spider-Man, uh, and we enjoyed it even more than the first half, I think we could both agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like it was weighed on the second end with more, I don't know, fan-pleasing stuff. Not necessarily fan service, but just more... I don't know. Here, we know they're going to like this. It's good. More better stuff. Precisely. And that uh, that continues here with this uh, the second season. Mm-hmm. Right off exactly. the bat, it, it starts good and just oh, keeps yeah. continuing to be good. The, the, the quality continues. It doesn't dip or anything as far as, I'm, as, far as I've seen. But mm-hmm. uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, sure. This week, we are talking about the first seven episodes of the second season of The Spectacular Spider-Man. These episodes were released from June 22nd to July 27th of 2009. Uh, the series was created by Greg Wiseman and Victor Cook. These episodes were directed by Jennifer Coyle, Kevin Altieri, uh, and Mike Gogan. I hope I'm saying that right. They were written by Kevin Hopps, Matt Wayne, Andrew Robinson. I'm going to make a correction here. I said Andy Jant in the last episode. I was wrong. Uh, it's Randy Jant with an R. Mm. Uh, and Nicole Dubuck. I'm saying that right as well. Uh, and it, our cast is Josh Keaton as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Lacey Chabert as Gwen Stacy. Vanessa Marshall as Mary Jane Watson. Peter McNichol as Otto Octavius slash Dr. Octopus. Xander Berkeley as Quentin Beck slash Mysterio. And Benjamin Diskin as Eddie Brock slash Venom. Uh, yeah, we don't really have any personal experiences to talk about here. Because mm-hmm. uh, this is both of our first time watching this. So, Alex, you want to take us through the plot of these episodes? I am very happy to. These are some solid, solid episodes here. Uh, we begin the first episode of season two with um, what turns out to be a dream sequence. I, I have kind of an affinity for knowing when something is hinky in that regard in media. I don't know. I, I, more often than not, if something is like trying to trick you into thinking, oh, this is real. I don't know. I feel like almost anybody can tell when stuff's a dream. You're just uh, a real savvy guy. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's my one superpower. Uh, but yeah, it does turn out to be a dream sequence. It, it's uh, winter time, and in this dream, Peter is uh, out on patrol, talking to himself as Spider-Man, uh, mulling over the kiss that Gwen gave him on Thanksgiving before running off to uh, join her father and leave him behind for a bit. Uh, in this dream, he's suddenly attacked by Venom again, which confuses him, seeing as you know he thinks this is real life for a moment. 
Uh, Venom in this dream urges him to join with the symbiote again and begins latching onto him with tendrils and enveloping him, uh, causing Spider-Man to fall off the building screaming, which wakes Peter up wrapped in his blankets. Uh, This brief little, you know, intro, you know, it is it is a dream, but it is also winter out. Side. I don't think there's enough Spider-Man media that deals with uh, how impractical his suit is in the cold, and they touch on that a lot in this episode. I hope they um, I hope they talk about it in No Way Home because I know that there's some part of that movie that takes place around Christmas time mm-hmm. from the uh, set photos that have been uh, leaked. So hopefully they do something with that. But yeah, I really I really like all these these winter episodes. Mm-hmm. It, very good uh, set pieces. Very good. Uh, you know, they really played up the Halloween stuff in the previous season, so I really like that um, holidays as the passage of time that we see over this uh, part of the season as well. Really cool stuff. Um, after waking up from this, uh, Peter uh, wants to be sure and, like, assure himself that everything is fine and good and normal. Uh, he visits the ESU dorm where Eddie is supposed to be, only to find that Eddie has gotten all of his belongings and left. He's essentially just, you know, vanished, packed up and left, which is not great because he knows Peter's secret identity. Um, not ideal. Home, yeah, really not ideal. Uh, at home, Peter is lamenting the cold weather that we mentioned, uh, preparing a to-do list, and finds Aunt May in the process of uh, making pancakes and... He thinks this is uh, her pushing herself too hard. He scolds her a little bit uh, and attempts to take over before once again proving that he can't cook at all. Uh, Spider-Man's a microwave dinner kind of guy, not not a not a chef. A, ra- a ramen noodle type type beat. Precisely. Um, at school, Peter attempts to talk to Gwen. Uh, it doesn't go well. Just a lot of awkward silence interrupted by the school bell. Um, from there, we cut to the city docks, uh, and it really, this season does not take long at all to get right into the, the thick of it with, with giving us what we want. We get Mysterio, like, minutes into this first episode. And not only that, we get a, we get a Stan Lee cameo right before. Yeah, I have that in my notes, I just didn't mark down when that happened. It's, it looks like him, it's his voice, it's at the docks, right? That's where he is? Yeah, my, my notes literally just say, Stan Mysterio. All I wrote down was Stan the man. I should really get better with my notes, damn. Uh, but yeah, a fun little Stan Lee cameo. This is 2008, so it's kind of, in, in film-wise at least, you know, we, there were the occasional animated Stan Lee cameos, like in the animated series, stuff like that. But uh, more culturally, like at this point, people knew, oh, Stan Lee cameos, you know, they were in all the Spider-Man movies, all the X-Men movies, even like there were only maybe one or two MCU movies out at this point, maybe even just Iron Man, right? Yeah, this, this, was, this was 2009. This was 2009, so this was the ah. year of... I think this was, like, right after... This might have been the year of the first... The the Incredible Hulk, the Edward Norton sure. one. Yeah, so St- Stanley cameos were very much already an established thing and, like, pieces of Marvel media outside of the comics. Uh, but it's, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm surprised it, it, that they... I'm surprised that they waited so long. They waited until season two to drop the Stan Lee cameo. Mm-hmm. Weird, but, you know, it's here. It's not gratuitous either. He's he's there, and then he's not. It's great. Um, A shipment of advanced computer equipment meant for ESU is being attacked by Mysterio. Uh, and I love the suit in this, by the way. Great uh, 
I really do like the Far From Home suit. It's a great interpretation, but this is a great, like, I don't know, great classic comic suit. I, I like that he has like a, a big he has the helmet, but there's obviously like the, the fog on the inside. But there's like sort of little beads where you can tell that where his eyes are mm-hmm. uh, like you can sort of tell that there's a person's head in there. Uh, and also uh, he has like this big, like puffy turtleneck that he has around his uh, his fishbowl that I think is fun. His voice is very uh, it reminds me a lot of Dr. Orpheus from the Venture Brothers and uh, Dr. Membrane from Invader Zim. It's it's very somewhere in the middle of those two. Yeah, I, I love we'll, we'll talk about it later where he like summons like a spirit dragon and like little gremlin things that explode. He's like basically a summoner. Mm hmm. It's he's, uh, he's a, he's a, he does a funny wizard voice and he casts magic spells and shoots little gremlins at you. And uh, it's great. I love it. Yeah, no, it, it does not disappoint. I know you're the, the resident Mysterio guy. Uh, I knew Mys- you probably... resident Mysterio enjoyer. <laughs> I know you'd probably be very happy with this uh, take on the character. It's very good. Uh, Mysterio proclaims that his intent is to save humanity from the evils of technology through his mastery of the arcane arts. Uh, very Unabomber Mysterio yeah. here. <laughs> I love <laughs> fucking Ted Kaczynski Mysterio. You've received a package from Mysterio. He's like if if uh, Ted Kaczynski was really into David Copperfield. That's uh, <laughs> that's Mysterio in the show. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a weird motivation, but it's fine. I guess it works for the character, um, especially when it's obviously realized later on that it's just an act that he's putting on. It's very funny. Yeah layers to this stuff he uh he proclaims all this stuff and then uh he causes himself and the shipping crate to vanish in a cloud of green smoke you know very mysterio uh so peter loses track of him end of that little fight sequence we go to uh school presumably the next day with uh peter and gwen's awkwardness uh making liz allen very mad who begs for Peter's help uh, and tutelage once again in order to kind of corner him for herself. Uh, They do a lot more with the Liz and Peter dynamic in this season. It was there in like the first season, but it's, it's a lot more fleshed out here that goes places. Yeah. They they put a lot of work into it and they, they just, they keep teasing the uh, Peter and Gwen relationship and it still hasn't happened yet as of Mm -hmm. half over halfway through this season. Uh, they're not in even amount of episodes per season, so I'm excited to see where they go with this. But you know, we're we're running out of time here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's only so many episodes, and I, Gwen Stacy's just not allowed to be happy and alive. You get one or the other. It's it's not the way it works. Um, Mysterio attacks an armored vehicle, summoning uh, a monster to intimidate the guards, but is pretty quickly confronted by Spider-Man. Um, Mysterio really quickly bests Spider-Man in this fight. Like I was surprised how quickly actually yeah, he casts um, a he casts a sleeping spell and then summons his little spirit dragon, and it like knocks the the armored truck into the water, and Spider-Man has uh-huh. to go save him. But the the truck and stuff has been stolen. Precisely, yeah. The sequence where uh, the vehicle's thrown into the river, uh, it's really neat. Spider-Man saves the driver. Uh, but he catches a cold from the the depth of everything again and completely impractical suit for for winter crime fighting in New York. Very, very sheer, I imagine. 
Yeah, he. I think I don't know if it's this episode or the next one where he talks about how he he needs to like go buy thermals because he mm-hmm. looks, if he wears like a big sweater underneath it, he looks it doesn't work, look good at all. Yeah, it is in this one, I believe. It's on his to do list. I think it's one of the things. Yeah. Uh, oh God, I can't remember. I have it in my notes here. Is this where uh, is this the fight where Mysterio attempted to kill him with a scimitar, or is that later? Yeah, this is this this is the scene where he like summons a scimitar, a curved swords, and tries to fucking kill Spider Man. I I actually sat up in my seat and 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 said to my partner who was watching with me, "Is he about to execute Spider Man with a scimitar?" Um, I feel like Mysterio would be a lot more effective. If he just like immediately went to summoned a fucking scimitar and tried to chop him, and chop his head off instead of like doing all the weird shit he normally does. It'd be much more effective. Yeah, um, I don't know. It, it it was goofy, but it was goofy enough to um, I don't know. I liked it a lot. It 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 didn't take me out of it or anything. Um, once the vehicle is recovered, the Daily Bugle blames the, the theft of its contents on Spider Man, of course, infuriating Peter. Uh, however, Liz makes a remark that magicians rely on misdirection to fool their audiences. While at the table behind them, Gwen watches forlornly and kind of confides her troubles to Mary Jane. They they bring up this misdirection line a lot throughout the rest of the episode. Like, th- th- this show doesn't do a whole lot of, like, oh, I just remembered I'm watching a kid's show. But there is that in this first episode where they they drop that misdirection line, like, four or five times, I think. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 you gotta yeah. hammer it home because, you know, we're watching this show in the age of streaming services where there yeah. are no commercial breaks and you know you, you you get distracted by a commercial for fucking frosted flakes or some shit and then you're like oh wait what sorry what was i doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh elsewhere dr connors norman osborne and the science professor of midtown high uh welcome dr miles warren to the faculty miles warren uh, who's the science professor's brother mm-hmm I was not expecting uh, Miles Warren in this show, but here he is. Uh, he is the Jackal eventually, right? Yes, he's the Jackal, and I don't know if he's going to show up as the Jackal in this show. Right, because uh, that's mostly a, a college thing, I think, right? Yeah, something tells me he's not really going to. They're just gonna, <laughs> It's going to end up being a, uh, like an unresolved thread of mm-hmm. Miles Warren, but he, like, especially later on in the season... Uh, we'll get into it in the later episodes. He like fucking is immediately like super evil. He like doesn't yeah. give a shit. Uh, there, there's some talk of uh funding, and I I made a note here that Norman like looks really really smug as soon as the word funding comes up, and I thought that was funny. His ears um, perk up when he hears any sort of financial discussion. Martha Connors is uh, lamenting Eddie's disappearance and Martha know, the lack of help with him around. Um, where with that being said, Norman and Curtis uh, have this little moment where they essentially goad her into reinstating Peter and his uh, internship. Really great little everyone deserves a second chance moment from Dr. Lizard. It's really funny because it's just her that's holding out on it. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Mm-hmm. Connors is is like totally fine with it. Yeah, but like but she's Peter like, her. no, we're not. We're not letting this fucking dipshit in. Norman loves Peter more than his own son and isn't going, you know, who could be a real asset around here? My son, Harry. He's, I know Peter's great. You should get Peter back. 
you know, Dr. Connors had his life saved by Peter, so he's he's not too <laughs> upset, even though he doesn't know it was Peter. Right, right. Uh, Norman is interrupted by a phone call from Oscorp, uh, at which, at Oscorp, Mysterio is attempting to raid more technology for his Kaczynski and, you know, motives. Uh, Spider-Man arrives, as he does, and Mysterio summons a horde of the aforementioned goblins. I had imps in my notes. I think I said gremlins as well. Uh, yeah, I, I said, I said, I think I called them gremlins. Yeah, they're, they're you know, a lot of things work for them. They're, they're great. Little, little, uh, little flying ghouls. Just purple devil creatures. I love them. Flying um, ghouls. <laughs> Mysterio summons a horde of these to uh, distract Spider-Man while he makes off with the technology. Throughout the fight, uh, webbing them and slamming them into each other, Spider-Man realizes that these uh, gremlins are actually advanced robots and uh, latches onto, you know, a bunch of them, smashes them into each other. Uh, very, you know, there's only so many ways to tell the he's fighting things that are robots, but they look like something else story, like, you know, the drone sequences and everything from far from home. But, you know, this does it well. Uh, yeah, not. Yeah. Great immersion. Um, Mysterio vanishes once again, returns to his lair, uh, an abandoned prop house where Spider-Man tracks him to. Uh, Mysterio acknowledges that his magic is a mix of acting, technology, illusions, and one by one, Spider-Man defeats a gauntlet of traps, uh, and eventually a, a horde of non-illusion robotic Mysterio clones are summoned. Yeah, this, this is a, it's an awesome Spider-Sense moment, and this, this fight is, is oh, really yeah. fun, where he has to fight the, the like 80 robot Mysterios. My question is, like, where do you get the fucking funding for this shit? Funding? What? Huh? Uh, there, did, did somebody say funding? There's a point during this fight where I swear to Christ, like the exact Godzilla scream sound effect plays. Am I crazy or did you hear that too? I don't remember that because I rewound it and, he, and my partner heard it as well. I don't remember the exact moment, but I, I maybe it's from his uh his like dragon creature that he like floats around on. But I swear to God, they used like the actual copyright, like Godzilla screech at some point. If Brian were here, Brian would know. Tune in in a few weeks when Brian's here. I'll ask Probably. him. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> um, Spider-Man eventually confronts the real Mysterio uh, and disables all the rest of the robots. And he's unmasked. Well, you know, the fishbowl shattered. Uh, to reveal him as none other than Quentin Beck, the chameleon's former accomplice who Spider-Man does not recognize or, like, acknowledge or remember, I guess is better. It's so funny that he just doesn't remember him. He's like, uh, yeah, that guy. There's, you know, there's so many different ways to to tell Mysterio stories, and sometimes there's only so many ways to tell Mysterio stories. I really like the, you don't know who I am, as opposed to, like, the far from home, oh, everybody knows who I am. You know, it, it's it's great. Uh, good inverse there. Yeah. And I mean, and I mean, and I mean, in far from home, nobody remembered who he was because uh, he was like some mook that worked for Tony Stark. Sure. Yeah. Uh, man, I. I'm sorry. I know this is the uh, the spectacular episode, but goddamn, Far From Home is really good. Yeah, far, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good ass movie. Uh, returning home after all of this is said and done, and Mysterio has been arrested. Peter is going over his unresolved to do list, uh, realizing he hasn't done really anything on it at all. 
uh, before catching Aunt May at the stove again, this time cooking eggs. Aunt May kind of pokes fun at him and notices his cold and, you know, great little Peter and Aunt May sequence moment here. Um, before giving him a letter from the Daily Bugle that contains an exclusive freelance contract and an advance payment. Uh, not, you know, really used to near positive endings with Spider-Man stories, so this is very, Secure very the bag. Mm-hmm. Peter makes plans to call Gwen and tell her the good news, as well as have a much-needed discussion about what's going on. But he is interrupted with, from a phone call from Norman Osborn, who is a presumed billionaire enjoying a dinner of one single boiled egg. Yeah, he's eating a boiled egg. He's eating like a hard-boiled egg at his desk with his like a, like a douchebag Bluetooth headset in. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, mm, yes, Peter. Imagine if you were trying I, to talk to someone eating a, a, a hard-boiled egg. That would be, like, horrible. He does that during all his conference calls, and they're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to call Osborne. He's just going to eat eggs into the microphone, and I can't say <laughs> shit because he'll fire me. It's an intimidation tactic. Uh, I didn't realize it was hard-boiled at first, and I thought it was just a raw egg on his desk, and I felt really stupid. Um, but the phone call is not to talk about his egg dinner. It is uh, to inform him that not only, you know, is he is he riding the high from this Daily Bugle thing, but he has been reinstated as the Connors lab assistant. And Norman offers his services as Peter's mentor, uh, which just sounds super weird to me, just out of the blue. You know, like, I just wanted to call you and let you know that I, I want to teach you and I want to be like a father to you, Peter. Goodbye. Okay. Mm, yes. Uh, Peter reluctantly agrees to meet with him uh, while and while all this is happening uh, back at the prop house Phineas Mason meets with Beck who had hidden and let an android be arrested in his place uh, Mason scolds Beck for his arrogance and places a phone call to the who turns out to be the overarching like antagonist of this half of the season the master planner Oh, yeah, baby informs him that everything has all gone. Get this according to plan. There's like a lot. There's a line a couple episodes later, I think uh, in episode three, yeah, where Mysterio is talking to Spider-Man. He's like, I think maybe the master planner has a master plan. (laughs) (laughs) And that is uh, that ties up the first episode of our second season here. Yeah, it's 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 really cool that they've done Master Planner, especially since, you know, we're talking about that exact arc later on uh, this season as the penultimate episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously we'll get more into it uh, in the upcoming episodes. For sure. Uh, from there, we go to our second episode, Destructive Testing. Uh, it starts not in New York, but in the African Savannah where Sergei Kravenov is confronting a rhinoceros, which is mad with fever. And uh, there's a great little sequence where he he essentially just subdues and takes it down with his bare hands. Uh, great way to establish, uh, you know, Craven's strength and uh, agility, animal control, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I'm not as familiar with Craven the Hunter as a character that uh, than I am with a lot of villains, but I, I, I like this version of the character. It's pretty serviceable, I guess. It's not, no, like nothing glaringly wrong with him. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm when it comes to Spider-Man villains, it's 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 more memorable to get them wrong. I think, you know, a la, yeah, it's you know, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, that kind of thing. It, I, I again, this is another villain that we're going to talk about. Craven, I really like Craven in this show. Uh, mm. 
but they, they like like with Dr. Connors, I feel like they do at least at the at the, at the start give him a lot of dignity. Uh and I am excited to talk about uh Craven's Last Hunt, which we will be talking about immediately after we finish this program. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um so we were introduced to Craven. Uh, there's a little fake out where you think he's being attacked by a lion only to be revealed to be his, his pet Gulyadkin. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. He uh, has a fucking lion that he keeps in his car at first before, during this fake out when I thought, uh, before we knew this lion was allied to him, uh, I thought he was going to like kill it and make his costume out of it because he isn't wearing his goofy Craven the Hunter outfit yet. Yeah, uh, I, I was thinking that too. I'm like, what? What's going to happen? And then, <laughs> you know, what happens in this episode happens, and I'm like, oh. Uh, Craven meets up with his lover Calypso, who reveals that their American benefactor, whoever that is, has requested Sergey's services in hunting the Spider Man. Uh, Sergey, who is delighted at the thought of a worthy challenge, accepts this. And from there, we do cut back to New York, where uh, Peter is in his biology exam and once again makes an attempt to talk to Gwen about things, capital T. But uh, Liz interrupts and Gwen is left without him. Uh, Later in the day at the lab, Peter is thanking Dr. Connors for the second chance that he's received to, uh, you know, be the lab assistant, hang around. And from there, we are introduced to Miles Warren's lab assistant, Deborah Whitman. Uh, Martha, I even gave myself a second there in case you needed to do your thing. Martha inquires if they know where Eddie Brock disappeared to. Uh, Martha! There it is, there it is. (laughs) Gotta keep you on, gotta keep you on your toes. Absolutely, you do. (laughs) Oh, God. Gwen is worried that, uh that Eddie may have been attacked by Venom or, you know, even if she doesn't know those words specifically, she's worried something might have happened to him. She, all she knows is that one second Eddie was there, the next she kind of blacked out and now she's tied up to the redacted Thanksgiving parade floats, the New York unity day, whatever. You uh, know, if if I was a super genius, like Gwen Stacy, I would, I would try to put like two and two together, but uh, I guess not. It's really weird how Eddie Brock and Venom were at the same place and Spider-Man and Peter Parker were too, but whatever. Who I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know, man. I'm trying to put the saxophone over here. <laughs> uh, yeah, Gwen is um Gwen is worried that uh Venom may have had something to do with Eddie's disappearance or something like that. Miles Warren enters gushing over Dr. Connor's research on lizards and how it overlaps with his own research on mammals. Uh, Curtis gets, you know, weird and immediately declares that that line of research is a dead end and it's embarrassment and, and don't bring it up again. <laughs> like you said, he gets weird. He does get weird. Well, like, it's understandable. It makes me wonder, like, how much Miles knew at that exact moment in time. Like, did Curtis go, oh, hey, by the way, open drinks. I had this incident a few months ago where I became a hulking lizard man and almost ate my son. This it's man no is getting deal. weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's a dead end and an embarrassment. Do not look into the lizard type replication. Don't 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 go fucking with that, please. Uh, that evening, Spider Man is swinging around, patrolling, uh, mulling whether to date Lizard Gwen. Classic Peter Parker shit. Unaware that Sergey is tracking and watching him, 
Uh, Sergei kind of tackles him out of the air mid web sling and ambushes him and just about brings and takes him down. Uh, really fun fight sequence here. Um, I don't have it in my notes chronologically. Or is this the planetarium type? Uh, no, no, no. The museum fight sequence. Uh, that doesn't happen in the episode the, or not. The, the planetarium doesn't happen until like episode six. I, I, I misspoke. I'm at the uh, the Museum of like the Natural History one. I think that's the second fight in this episode. That's the second fight. Yes. Th this first Craven fight happens just out in the street. Right. Uh, a lot of times these episodes tend to like center around maybe one fight, but I there's two really quick ones in this one, which, you know, good, good variety. Um, this one's super quick and Sergei just about has Peter pinned down, but Peter does eventually beat him in the fight. Uh, stating that while Sergei may be the ultimate hunter in super-powered New York City, he's a bit out of his league, uh, he leaves him hanging by his ankles from a street lamp for people to point and guffaw at, which is yeah, like... people are like, ah, you idiot, you big idiot. Oh my god, it is It is like the ultimate Spider-Man embarrassment. It, it's... Imagine, imagine, you know, you work really hard, you're, you're, you're coming in, you're hunting this guy, uh, you know, you, you're like super vain and proud. And then like this little like 17 year old shithead just strings you up by your feet. And these mm -hmm. people from these guys with fucking Mets hats on come over and laugh at you. Ten years later, they would have been all over Snapchat with it. How embarrassing. Uh, Craven does eventually free himself from this position and uh, reunites with Calypso and Gulyadkin. Uh, he's torn off a sample of Spider-Man's costume, a little swatch of it, and uh, I think it was with one of his spears, and he uses it to track him over New York, eventually and ultimately leading him to ESU's science lab. Uh, he drops in and confronts Miles. Miles, Miles, who is very, very calm about a guy <laughs> who jumps in through a skylight with a live lion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't go get the fuck out of my building and goes, oh, wow, cool lion. That's great. That looks awesome. <laughs> He's like, do you want to buy superpowers from me? Yeah. Uh, Sergei is demanding that he be given Spider-Man powers or powers in general, I guess. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he wants he wants powers because he wants to be even with Spider-Man. And Miles is like. You know, Spider-Man paid for his powers, which mm. is not true. He just makes shit up on the fly, which he's very good at, apparently. Yeah, no, this is uh, he's he's a great piece of shit. And he ends up, uh, yeah, helping out Craven. Right. He he was uh, doing forbidden research, furthering Dr. Connor's lizard juice formula. Uh, and he was kind of out loud talking to himself about how he needed live test subjects. And here comes this giant man going, shoot me full of juice. And here comes, here comes a, here comes a live test subject right now with a lion through the skylight. Mm -hmm. Uh, Warren suggests a lot of money for the procedure. And when Sergei threatens him and asks him why he shouldn't just, you know, kill him, uh, it's a really quick, like, conversation. He's like, no, it, it would just be in your best interest to pay me. It, it, it's not, you know. Yeah, and he, like, he, like, pulls behind his lab coat, and you could see a fucking, like, revolver he keeps in his pants. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's got the strap on him at oh, all times. I guarantee you Curtis does not have one of those. Maybe Martha does. But... Like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, like, so interested in seeing what his deal is. I'm, I'm gonna mm -hmm. be really mad if they just never follow up with it. I feel like they won't. Just because of 
there's a lot of stuff going on in this right. season. I don't get the uh, feeling you're going to see this man wearing a goofy jackal costume. But God, I I, I want to know what is up with this guy that he fucking keeps a gun on him at all times. He used to be like a crack dealer or something before he turned to super science. In like in like post in like like 2008 New York where gun laws are like super strict. The housing crisis affected people very differently, Lex. It's not something we would understand. Miles Warren became a pimp. Uh, at uh, at Midtown High's football game, uh, Peter tests out his new camera and Liz flirts with him. It's, you know, whole little sequence. Uh, some of the other cheerleaders deride her for spending time with Peter, being flirtatious with him. Uh, the Mustangs go on to win this game, but Flash suffers a pretty severe knee injury, leg break, uh, throwing the yeah, winning he, pass. They, yeah, he, his knee gets fucked up. And, you know, they, they, all those cheerleaders made fun of Liz for hanging out, for uh, being with Peter. Uh, but, you know, they, did, they didn't see him in that black t-shirt that we saw him in. They didn't see how <laughs> fucking shredded he was. It's very true, which nobody seems to remember later when, you know, the question comes up of whether, you know, Peter has anything to do with Spider-Man. Not one person goes, hey, yeah, remember he was super jacked when he wore that one shirt. Well, you know, you know how some high school kids are. <laughs> they, they, you know, they go to the gym all the time. Peter's like, I was a muscle shirt. I'm compensating. Please believe me. At uh at the ESU lab later, uh Sergey is paying Warren half up front, threatening to uh sick the lion on him if he's still dissatisfied with the results. Uh Warren infuses is infusing Sergey with a mixture of lion, leopard, and cheetah DNA. Um and it essentially turns him into like Lion-O? Like a werewolf lion-o? He gets turned into a furry. Yeah. Uh, he, he turns into a lion man. A, a cheetah uh, man, which, if you will. It would, yeah, cheetah men too for the NES. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't remember if this... Uh, this might be a thing in the Ultimate comics, I feel like. I read Ultimate and it doesn't ring a bell. Maybe. I feel like it's it's been in the comics before. Oh, sure. It's... it's this almost reads as goofy. This the, the fact that I can't remember it makes me almost think that, that like the idea of Craven being turned into a lion man is a is a this show original to this show. And if it is, that's kind of a genius idea. Even sure. though he looks very silly. He looks it, like a, yeah. a giant furry trying to kill Spider-Man. It's very funny. The idea itself isn't bad. I think the execution of it is just a little bordering on Goofy. Uh, it, it's not as as scary as the idea should read. I think he, he looks very, very silly. He looks like Lion-O. It's like one of those old Silver Age Superman comics where Lois Lane gets turned into like a gorilla or some shit. Is that real? <laughs> That's got to be. There was a the, 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 this probably is something like that. I'm sorry. That just really got me. <laughs> That sounds like something that Dude, would I'm come out in the Silver Age. Now. Every fucking every every issue of Jimmy Olsen, there was some like a weird shit going on. Somebody got turned into something. There was an issue of Superman where <laughs> Lois Lane went into a machine. Uh, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> she went into a machine and was turned into a black woman so that she could understand the struggle. And like write about it in her newspaper. That's a real oh, thing that happened no. in the comics. Oh god, that's awful. Why didn't Superman go in it? Say what you will about Marvel. Uh they've never as far as I know, they've never pulled shit like that. 
Oh my god, that is great. That's, That's a terrible. real thing that happened. It's fucking awful. Zack Snyder, when will you adapt to this? When will you oh. put Amy Adams in blackface? When will it happen? Uh, Sergey at this point dubs himself Craven the Hunter, which I guess is his fursona name. I I don't know. I guess so. I guess it is his fursona, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he he attacks Spider-Man pretty pretty quickly from here. Tracks him, fights him, and proves to be more than an even match. Uh, it, it's a great fight sequence. This is the one that takes them through yep. the Museum of Natural History. Uh, great, you know, gazelle statue, antelope statue, knocking over stuff. Very on the nose, but uh, Spider-Man throws a, a giant gorilla statue at him. Uh, one thing I have in my notes that I want to point out is that I like the fight set pieces a lot more in this season than the first season. There's a lot of street fighting, a lot of nighttime street fighting in the first one. This season, multiple like museums, planetariums, the prop house with Mysterio. It's all more it all feels more out of the comics, I guess, like individual kind of like layers and it, not even layers, so to speak, but like. The, the the history natural history set pieces are are great for a craven fight i don't know it, it's really good this season yeah i want to say that this season has like given them sort of the the free pass to like branch out and do like kind of weirder stuff and fight in like different locations and do all kinds of uh, stuff that that wouldn't that i i don't know if they if like too scared is the right word but like mm -hmm. they weren't willing to go that far in the first season yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It, they just get weird with it. It's great. In yeah. the middle of this fight, uh, Peter receives a phone call from Liz asking him to come to the hospital. Uh, but his fight with Craven spills out into Central Park, and he slows Craven down with enough webbing to deal what he thinks is a knockout blow, but uh, is briefly distracted. And when he turns back, Craven has disappeared. He's From gone. there, Peter decides to go to the hospital and attempt to comfort Liz. Uh, everyone's kind of waiting to find out what's going on with Flash, how he's doing with, like, emergency surgery and all that. And he's wheeled out on a gurney, and she rushes over to see how he's doing. Uh, everyone's, you know, happy to see that he didn't, like, you know, flip from the anesthesia or something. I don't know. Uh, Craven awakens, being tended to by Calypso in their limousine. Uh, before their benefactor, the master planner, introduces himself over the phone and asks Craven a really dumb pun about how he feels about hunting in packs. Uh, we get our, our, so our typical little episode close, uh, like web in the sky thing, but I just gotta say, it straight up looks like gum to me. It looks bad. Like the white frozen webbing, it just looks gross. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's something. It it's I don't know. It just looks bad to me. It, it, I get the effect they're going for, but it doesn't read as snow. It looks gooey. I don't like it. But yeah, there's 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 certainly more more snow to look at. Uh, mm -hmm. when we get into the I think what episode is it? I think it's episode three. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, which we are moving it's, into uh, as we speak. It's something. Uh, that takes us into, yes, episode three, Reinforcement. Uh, this is a really, really good episode. Um, it's approaching Christmas Eve, and Spider-Man is casing the Big Sky Billiard Hall. Uh, 
a hangout for street thugs and low-level criminals. Uh, looking for intel into Mysterio and where the equipment that he stole vanished to. He interrogates a bookie named Blackie Gaxton for a little while, and eventually learns that Mysterio was fronting for a new crime lord who has been hiring everybody from 2-bit thugs, construction workers, uh, all the way up. Uh, after him, Spider-Man catches sight of a man in an eye patch, aptly named Patch, then a fun little <laughs> bit there. Great dialogue. Good old, uh, good old Patch. Patch escapes, but uh, but Spider-Man corners him real quick. I'm I'm glad to see Patch because he's a, a the old kind of vaguely obscure character from the Lee Ditko run. He's like a oh, yeah. weird informant that turns out to. It's like kind of pseudo spoilers, but who cares? Yeah, uh, right. he turns out to be Frederick Foswell from the Daily Bugle, mm. uh, in dis- in disguise on the street. Uh, it, it's fun that they're adding stuff, and it it happens. I think in episode six, uh, there's sort of a, a similar kind of uh, thing with uh, Jameson when he gets uh, he, he gets his powers briefly. It reminds me of another Lee Ditko issue that's kind of not good, uh, but it is uh, it's it's fun to sort of go back and reference that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Patch informs Spider-Man that Mysterio's boss is uh, nicknamed the Master Planner. And uh, Phineas Mason, who is watching from a hidden camera, informs the Master Planner that Spider-Man is closing in. Uh, the Master Planner instructs him to round up the usual suspects, those being Rhino, Craven, Doc Ock, Sandman, Mysterio, Electro, and the Vulture. Uh, at Rikers Island Penitentiary, a prisoner inspection reveals Adrian Toomes is a hologram and Quentin Beck is an android. Uh, yeah. They, they, it's, it's, yeah, like uh, at the end of episode one, they had they had snuck in a, a, a robot into prison. I don't know mm-hmm. how they did that. They'd have to like put in the effort. Is it anatomically correct? Because they got to do like a cavity search. Or yeah, they like made that. the robot squat and cough. They paid real special detail. Um, as the prison, do, do you is, think? Do you think Quentin made his robot clones dick bigger? <laughs> Absolutely, he did. Yeah, and if not, like actually, he made an illusion to make it look that way. Gotta make sure it's packing more heat in case I ever actually go to prison. These guys need to know what you know <laughs> who they're fucking with. Uh, as the prison is sent into lockdown at this discovery, uh, the guards discover that Sandman and the Rhino have escaped as well. We cut to Ravencroft Asylum with a super quick and why reference to Cletus Cassidy, right? They, they, uh, I don't know if you caught that or not, but like, yes, the beginning when they're doing therapy, the therapist is like, "That's great, Cletus," and they move away from some redheaded guy back to you know the action, but like, yeah, Cletus is just straight up there. I don't uh, think Carnage is in this series. And absolutely not. No, I remember reading uh, some kind of article or something about how this series ended. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, like it was canceled uh, years before I ended up watching this show. And they talk about how like they wanted in season three to have carnage in there. And it would have been interesting to see how they do carnage because carnage, yeah. carnage is like a very R rated backstory of absolutely. that. He's a fucking serial killer. Uh, unlike here, maybe he was just like a criminally insane, I don't know, like credit card fraud guy. I don't know. We get no backstory. We get nothing. Just it would have uh, it would have been interesting to say in group therapy. 
but yeah, aside from a very brief glimpse at a character who will go nowhere and do nothing in this remaining of this show, uh, Otto Octavius and Maxwell Dillon, Max Dillon even, uh, don't call him that. Are yeah, he's not Max, he's Electro, get it right. A group therapy session when Craven breaks in to free them. Uh, Electro very loudly and coldly denounces Otto, uh, who seemingly has reverted back to his meek, mild, original personality, and Electro departs with Craven. Uh, I at this point in the show, you know, before the twists and turns that that follow in this episode, I was out loud just talking about how fucking bad I felt for Otto <laughs> in this show. Yeah, uh, I I was thinking, man, they love to torture this guy on this show. But you know now he's now he's gone evil mode, so it doesn't. He's uh yeah. At the uh, skating rink at Rockefeller Plaza, uh, Peter and Liz are flirting while Gwen is kind of watching from the sidelines forlornly. Uh, Flash is attempting to skate with his super fucked up leg, which is just about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, he's Flash Thompson. He doesn't really come up with smart plans. Fair, fair. Uh, prompting Liz to rush to his side. Uh, and when Peter attempts to regain her attention during this, she like rebukes him in front of everybody. Fuck you. Uh, back at the master planner's base, Mason introduces Craven and Mysterio to the other members. And the master planner, who appears as a very cartoonish silhouette on a TV screen, uh, announces his intent to inaugurate a new age, that of the supervillain, by killing Spider-Man. That's immediately their plan. They're always like, we got to go kill Spider-Man first. And it's like, do you really have to? I mean, you can get a little crime done before Spider-Man shows up. Yeah. I really, like you, uh, like you can you can you could do enough to to hold him off and then you know get some get some crime done instead of having to just try and fight him the whole time and then no crime gets done. It's it's very inconvenient. No, fuck that. We're in the age of the supervillain now. Something like that. We've evolved beyond sticking up the convenience store on the bodega. <laughs> Uh, back at the skating rink, uh, Gwen finally does confront Peter, telling her him that she's gotten tired of waiting for a response from him and that if he wants to go after Liz, she won't be his second choice. Uh, MJ shows up and kind of chides Peter for his indecisive nature, uh, telling him that he has to make a choice and focus on what he wants. Sound advice from MJ always in the show. Yes. Uh, Peter's discussion with MJ is uh, interrupted by the arrival of Electro and the Vulture. And we get a (laughs) Electro who asks the classic question of can Spider-Man come out to play? Yes. Great. uh, Great Warriors reference uh, during the fight there. Uh, Well, I always think of it as a reference to Raimi one when says that on the phone. (laughs) Can Spider-Man come out to play? I wish I could have seen Defoe's face recording that. It's great. God, fuck. It's so funny. Uh, There's a great running line a bit throughout this fight. Um, Peter has burnt his tongue on hot chocolate, uh, making the quips come out just borderline unintelligible when they do. Uh, Very fun. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's it's really good. And one thing I want to make note of during this fight sequence uh, that we have is like, the animation is like super smooth. Mm-hmm. It's like popped up from time to time in the show. Like I can remember like when 
Spider-Man fucks up the Vulture's uh, suit in like the very first episode. The animation on that is super smooth, but like this whole fight sequence is just like super, like really smooth animation. It looks really, really good. And I, I mean, I could totally understand like, cause I have like friends who are artists mm-hmm. and I can, I can totally understand why they wouldn't want to do it like that. Uh, cause it just takes too long. You have to draw so many more frames. But right. I, I wonder, like, which specific animated, like, animation studio did that because they did a really good job on this. Yeah, um, the the fight sequences, like you said, they're just they're elevated this season. Whether they're you know mixing them around or the the actual two D three D effects of everything, it's I don't know, it's really really solid. Um, <laughs> until like the Christmas tree falls later, and it's like jarringly like oh it's CGI for a second, but it's fine. Um, Taking MJ's words to heart, uh, Peter manages to pin the vulture beneath a giant Christmas tree. That's that, like I mentioned, real good stuff there. And uh, he seals Electro in molten rubber, which I thought was fucked up. But you know, yeah, get get covered, get covered in goo. That this show is really into goo. This is uh, a, this is a very goo focused program. A lot of goo involved, a lot of slime, a lot of slop, a lot of pit, a lot of liquid, a lot of paste. You could write all those off really quickly to him. Uh, Peter is then ambushed by uh, Sandman and the Rhino. Uh, But, you know, the fight goes real quick. He essentially tricks the Rhino uh, into jumping onto the frozen ocean to come down to get him. Uh, Great, great little I hate you moment there. Uh, Yeah, and he he ends up up freezing Sandman and shatters into a million pieces. Yeah. fucked up but true uh use a fire which will happen again two episodes later which is fucked up Mm -hmm. and yeah we'll 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 get to that that's really good uh a lot of good sandman moments in this season it just keeps Uh, happening the rhino yeah crashes through the ice as well begins to sink uh you know we've got all of them taken care of uh spider-man sees the shocker and dr octopus on the roof of a nearby skyscraper and attacks them only to discover that they're one of Mysterio's illusions and gets ambushed by Craven. Uh, during this fight, uh, all three of them, Spider-Man, Mysterio, and Craven, uh, just absolutely fucking tear at each other. Uh, they go into a department store, a, a redacted department store, perhaps, that has nothing to do with an alleged Thanksgiving parade. Uh, great little outlet fight sequence there and it ends with Mysterio accidentally taking Craven out with an exploding Android meant for Spider-Man. Uh, I love that ineptitude. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's always fun. Like I said, fight, fighting the sinister six is always, is really fun. Cause you, you know, you get to have villains like accidentally beat the shit out of each other. It's that mm-hmm. sort of divide and conquer two and two way. It's uh really good. Yeah. And uh, this is, I think, maybe the first episode where Peter, like, manages to, like, take on just about the entire gang and, like, you know, have them put down for a bit instead of just, you know, running off and everything. I, I'd say he won most, if not all, of the fights he was in. Good stuff. Yeah, especially not, this is the first time that he's done it, that he's not controlled by the symbiote like he was last time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, minus, since Dr. Octopus is not here in this lineup this time, uh, if you replace Dr. Octopus with Rhino... You have, uh, or Rhino with Dr. Octopus, I mean, you'd have the entire original Sinister Six from uh, Annual One. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fun, fun stuff. Uh, 
Spider-Man interrogates Beck after all of this, who refuses to reveal anything, and the police arrive to arrest him. Back at the rink, uh, Peter ar arrives and is berated by Gwen, who thought that he had been crushed by the tree uh, in a great little, you know, oh god, he's fine, but I'm furious at him moment. Uh, Peter begins to apologize, only for the police to discover that the vulture has vanished, along with uh, everyone else. Uh, back at the Master Planner's base, Mason informs him that the extractions are nearly complete, gathering up, you know, all the fallen villains. And uh, as at Ravencroft, Otto is dragged away screaming by his own disembodied tentacles. And this was like peak, oh god, poor Otto for me. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe you got duped, by a, duped by a children's cartoon. I absolutely should have seen this coming, considering he was the How only one. Yeah, but no, I did. I did. I was like, ooh, who's the master planner? What's going on here? That's fun. How embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Uh, Merry home, Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, asshole. It's Dr. Octopus. At home, Peter and Aunt May uh, unwrap together a picture of Uncle Ben and reminisce about him for a while, uh, capping off our little Christmassy episode here. Uh, and and once again, that the time transition in this show is just great uh, from the October set pieces of the last season into into this stuff. Really good. Uh, from there, we move into our fourth episode, Sheer Strength. Uh, we right off the bat, they don't even like fuck around with us for even like a terribly long amount of time. The the master planner's Doc Ock. <laughs> he's he's it's him. Uh, unless you're stupid like me and you couldn't piece it together. Uh, yeah, yep, Doctor that, Ock. That's how it is. That's how it is in the comics. Yeah, right. What a shock. Um, yeah, he he unveils himself, and uh, when Electro bemusedly asks why he didn't just escape with him and Craven, Octavius responds that deception was necessary to throw Spider-Man and Alex off. Uh, at Oscorp, Peter is meeting with Norman, who introduces him to Morris Bench, Oscorp's demolitions expert, and they're in the process of installing a wireless bomb to destroy an old uh, abandoned tenement. <clears throat> Osborne tells Peter to get a good seat for the blast, and but as Peter begins to leave, the bomb suddenly activates with only 30 seconds on the timer, because Morris Bench is very inept, I guess. I don't, ultimate, no, ultimate, ultimate doofus Morris Bench. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it maybe so, maybe an assassination attempt. Who knows? Uh, Spider-Man suddenly shows up and launches Osborne and Bench to safety as the bomb detonates. Uh, Norman does make a point to go, what about Peter? Which I don't know that he would have done uh, if Harry was in the building. <laughs> I, I actively made a note of that. I was like, he asks after Peter. Would he have done the same for Harry? Probably not. <laughs> Harry, run a little faster. You're on the football team, for God's sake. Get down the stairs. Um, Dr. Octopus and the Vulture are lamenting shortly after this about their failure to kill Dr. Osborne and Spider-Man. Uh, but the Vulture remarks that Octavius's invention, which allows him to hack into wireless, you know, devices and control them the same way he does with his tentacles, was a success. Yeah, he like, Doc, Doc Ock has like become a technopath, essentially, where he can like control machinery which is like really cool, but also it's like this is like super overpowered for Doc Ock. Yeah, he he's big brother now. He is the master planner. Uh, 
fun little stuff with his little like chip at the top of the at the top of his fused spine. Very rainy. Um, Octavius proclaims that he already has control over most of New York City and intends to expand his influence across the entire world. While uh, the Tinkerer, who he has here uh, among his lair, notes some worrying uh, power fluctuations during the initial test. Uh, always happy to see the Tinkerer. Uh, you know, very they, they make they make jokes about it later, where he's like no good in a fight. They just keep him around for the shit that he does do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like there's like a lot of it's like the fucking Sinister Eight. There's like yeah. so many motherfuckers here. Well, I mean, you know, you got to take down one Spider-Man. At a cafe, Mary Jane continues to play like behind the scenes matchmaker for Peter and Gwen, uh, attempting to set them up on a date for New Year's Eve. But Flash and Liz arrive as Peter leaves to uh, pick up their order. And Gwen laments that Peter is into Liz and not her. Uh, very, they, they do a lot with the, the teenage emotion love triangle bullshit that Peter is always so entrenched in in this show. I'm hoping that like pretty soon they can find a good footing to end it. Peter's but... problem is that he he pulls too much. Mm-hmm. He yeah. fucking just destroys. Look out, ladies. I washed the black shirt. <laughs> oh, I got I got my black shirt and my khakis on and my belt. Let's fucking go. Watch out. Oh, man. Having located Spider-Man's cell phone using its GPS, uh, Octavius uses his device to wreak havoc on New York's wireless devices. He hacks satellites, he sends uh, Midtown's police dispatch on all kinds of wild goose chases, uh, triggers a massive traffic traffic accident right outside the cafe where Peter is. Uh, While everybody steps out to see what's going on, Electro shows up and stuns Gwen and abducts yeah, he, her. He, wa- he walks up Electro behind just, her and just like fucking, he fucking tases her. It's really yeah, funny. Tases her in the back and then the vulture just picks her up by the shoulders and just flaps off with her. Ultimate stealth mode. Uh, Peter loses track of the vulture but tails Electro's van, eventually causing it to crash. Uh, the vulture drops Gwen off and uh, with Octavius uh, who picks up uh, the opportunity here to call Captain Stacy from Gwen's phone, uh, blackmailing him with his daughter as ransom to grant him access to the global access code stored at the Homeland Security New York City headquarters that would give him access to every computer in the world. Yeah, this show suddenly becomes 24 for a second, and uh, we have to go on like super international espionage to go to Homeland Security and shit. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a pretty steep raise of the stakes. This episode, Captain Stacy like has to commit treason to save his daughter, and guess what? He just fucking gets away with it. Dude's rock. Let's go. I mean, I mean there are like six episodes left in this season. Presumably, at some point, we could get an episode of like the people versus Captain Stacy. But like, he's, for everything he's he executed for his crimes, he just fucking gets away with all the shit we're about to talk about in this episode. He abs- he just, he, dude's rock. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, they do. Uh, Captain Stacy initially refuses these uh, demands, but when Octavius threatens his daughter's well-being, he does reluctantly agree. Uh, from there, Electro escapes, uh, but Spider-Man captures Mason and threatens to throw him off the roof of a skyscraper uh, if he doesn't tell him where Vulture took Gwen, 
great little yeah. like drop him twice moment. Yeah, I, I actually really like between this episode and the last episode, I really like how like Peter's gotten tougher with his interrogations. He's like, I'm not fucking around anymore. Yeah, he's he's not quite like breaking glasses in people's hands yet or anything, but he he threatens to make the third drop final. Yeah, uh, he's does... he's getting he's getting better at this whole superhero thing. For sure. Good good kid. Uh this does convince Mason to talk. And uh as Captain Stacy infiltrates Homeland Security. Spider-Man infiltrates the Master Planner's underwater lair. Very, very cool set piece here. In the in the nasty ass Hudson River. <laughs> yeah, very, very fresh. Octavius dispatches Electro to deal with Spider-Man, uh, while the Vulture provides a distraction for Captain Stacy by sh- fucking shelling Homeland Security with his back turret. <laughs> get, uh, get fucked. Just the pinnacle of subtlety. Um, <clears throat> Stacy infects Homeland Security's computers with a virus. It looks like it's on like an SD card that allows Octavius to increase his security clearance and enable him to access the area where the codes are stored. Um, meanwhile, Electro accidentally blasts one of the mainframes here, and uh, the outburst from Octavius there when this happens prompts Spider-Man to uh, figure out, you know, how to wrap all this up. And he goads Electro into attacking, you know, wildly and viciously and all over the place until the base begins to, uh, like, give in on itself and collapse and all the equipment is fucking wrecked and ruined. Uh, during all of this, right before it's time to pull the metaphorical trigger... Captain Stacy demands to speak with Gwen, who has been knocked out by Electro. Uh, with the base falling apart and everything, Octavius decides to take matters into his own hands, uh, his own tentacles, maybe, and confronts Spider-Man himself. Uh, you know, we get more more destruction here. Spider-Man essentially tricks Octavius into destroying his servers uh, and routes the signals directly into his brain with no buffer from the satellite. Uh, which, uh, yeah, he, he, he gets, gets a big, gets a big old headache. He uh, he has to sever the connection like immediately to stop this flood of of way over inundation of information. So um, much internet porn. Ah, <laughs> Peter, I've I've seen I've seen things you wouldn't believe, Peter. <laughs> it's like fucking Roy Batty at a Blade Runner. I've seen <laughs> things you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Uh, Octavius resignedly congratulates Spider-Man with a great little villain, oh, I know what must be done speech before triggering the base's self-destruct and uh, leaving in an escape pod, just straight up fucking abandoning Electro to die. Get fucked. Um, Spider-Man attempts to escape with Gwen, but he is then pinned beneath a heap of rubble with water running all down his face and resigning himself to death. And uh, in a hmm. pretty fresh little moment here that I've never seen before. Never seen this one before. It's all new to me. But he figures uh, if if this be his destiny, uh, realizing that that Gwen, an innocent, would die as well, uh, he musters his heroic resolve and uh, heaves the rubble aside, taking not just Gwen, but Electro as well before the base explodes into... A second escape pod, which, why is that there? Well, you know, there, there's, there's like eight guys that are supposed to be working here, so, you know, why not? Yes. You, you gotta have contingency plans. 
I feel like if I was Doc Ock and the contingency was trap Spider-Man down here and blow him up, I feel like I would have launched all the pods when I went up. Sloppy, Probably. Sloppy shit, Doc Ock. Can't budge it. It's so cold. Muscle stiff. Numb. This is it. Fought the good fight. Did my best. Even foiled Doc's plan. No one could ask any more of me. What am I doing? I can't give up. Not with Gwen depending on me. I, I do have to say that that during this this whole uh, I like this whole four episode arc in general. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But the last part where the rubble falls on him and he 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 does his little uh, ASM thirty three uh, thing. Mm-hmm. It's I was I was I I was kind of underwhelmed by it. It, uh, yeah, it it moves pretty fucking quick. They don't spend a lot of time on it. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, I guess I better die. He's like, oh, what am I saying? And he just lifts it off him immediately. Like, there's not right. really any struggle to it. It, it, it's... it goes pretty much as quickly as I described it. Um, he he essentially just says, oh, shit, wait, Gwen, and just throws the shit off of him. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about this, obviously, later when we get to the Master Planner saga uh, for our penultimate episode of the season. Uh, that whole sequence in the original comic is like half the comic. Mm-hmm. That specific issue is like just that. And it's really, really good because there's they, they take time. They develop his like mindset in that situation. And now he his little miniature arc that he has there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in something like Homecoming, which has yeah. a similar situation, it's not 100 percent identical, uh, it's, but it's, it's, a, it's obviously it takes a lot of inspiration from that moment. They do it a lot better because Tom Holland fucking acts his heart out. Oh, in that yeah, moment. That, that boy sounds hurt in that. It scene. is really, really good. And here, uh, this is like I'm going to this is like the first time this show has like ever really kind of disappointed me. It's more in, in how yeah. how sort of quickly they get through that. And it's like, ah, I wish you would have expounded on that more. It's more just like a, 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 a visual reference more than any kind of like adaptation of that moment. It just yeah. happens to be during the master plan of so- master planner saga of this show. It's just there visually to be there. Yeah, the only reason I had uh, any like sort of more expectations on it is because it is in every in pretty much every other way, minus you know Aunt May being sick, uh, a recreation of the master planner saga. And so you know it 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 kind of it was kind of a bummer that they would take the best part of that and just kind of yeah. Eh, just kind of just half-ass it, but you know you you can't win them all. Precisely, it you know we're still batting close to a thousand here. Oh yeah. Uh, Octavius orders Vulture to retreat, and Captain Stacy crushes Octavius's little virus SD card uh, after getting a phone call from Gwen telling him that she's safe. We uh, from here, everything's died down, gone back to as normal as it can. At the Parker household, it is a minute to midnight, and Peter attempts to call Gwen and speak briefly, but Liz Allen shows up at his doorstep and tells him that she and Flash are done for good, and that she wants to be with him. 
As the ball in Times Square drops, Liz kisses Peter. At the same moment, Gwen is on the other end of the phone talking to nobody, asking what's going on. Classic Spider-Man shit. Heartbreaking. Shit is getting wacky. We got a love triangle going on. Uh-oh. And we we have our little end to our arc there for now uh, before moving on to the fifth episode, First Steps. Um, while web-slinging through the city, uh, Peter believes he catches a glimpse of Eddie Brock standing on a rooftop, but by the time he doubles back to check, Eddie is nowhere to be seen. Uh, the Sandman is robbing a jewelry store and for, is accosted by Spider-Man, as he's wont to be. I feel uh, like it would be really embarrassing to get robbed by sand. Just like you're working oh, at this jewelry absolutely. store and then a bunch of sand comes through and takes away all of your inventory. Like, that'd be really embarrassing. You gotta hope that that got caught on the security camera or else you're fucked. You're just like, oh, man. Well, I'm gonna explain this to my boss. A bunch of sand came in and stole everything. One thing I thought during this fight was like, it, oh God, the Sandman fills himself with like diamonds and, and gold bars and shit. That's gotta really aid his like punching ability, just slapping you around with diamond hands. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier to carry things when, you know, you can just shove shit into your body and you know, it works out just fine. He uh, he displays a lot of improved control over his power in this. Fight. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Sandman goes kind of sticko mode this whole episode. Oh, yeah. He, he pretty quickly, like, defeats Spider-Man. Uh, the police arrive and Sandman escapes down a drain pipe, but leaves behind pretty much all of the loot because of that. Uh, at school, Gwen glumly informs MJ that Liz and Peter are now a couple. Uh, much to Sally's fury. Liz tells Sally to let her be happy as, you know, things in life are looking up now that her older brother, Mark, has returned from juvenile detention. Classic Spider-Man mm -hmm. character, Mark. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh... Flash grumpily watches Liz, only to spot Shushan Wen, uh, one of the students in his biology class. Who I I, I looked it up. Uh, Shushan is uh, original character, not from yeah. the comics or anything, just from this TV show. I kind of got that vibe. Uh, I guess we need more of those, to be honest. There's pretty much been nothing but comic characters up to this point. Well, I mean, it is adapted from a comic book. So true, there's not true, really much true. you can do. It's always nice to have new stuff in there, though. I like that. I, I, yeah, it's I, I like her what I've seen of her so far, and that just reminds me that on the uh, new adventures, the uh, what is it, Spider-Man, the new animated series, uh, the MTV show that we're going to talk about later on in the season, there is another different uh, new character uh, in the show, and she's specifically a, a romantic interest for Peter. Hmm. hmm. Well, that will be, be interesting. interesting. It'll be interesting to see that. Talk about for one episode and then never think about it again. Yep. <laughs> uh, Flash invites Shishan to uh, to be his date at his birthday party coming up. Uh, like, it'd be kind of weird to take a date to your birthday party. For sure, especially somebody you've never spoken to. <laughs> but this is it's like, hey, you want to go on a date with me? Yeah, where are we going? My own birthday party. <laughs> you get to be the, the homecoming queen of my party. Uh, Peter continues to reflect over his possible Eddie sighting, uh, and his spider sense goes off as he's grabbed from behind. 
by Harry Osborne, who has returned from quote unquote Europe. He's back. And they briefly catch up, uh, you know, dudes rock. Uh, but as the class bell rings, Peter briefly has a little vision of Harry as the goblin. Uh, you want to go to class with me, Peter? Uh, can you help me with my fucking algebra homework, Peter? Uh, great stuff. I really do love the goblin design in this show. And yeah, that's Peter. fun. Great little goblin PTSD moment there. Uh, Hammerhead is meeting with Sandman at the Big Sky Billiard Hall and offers him a chance to get his fabled big score while back at the school. Uh, the principal is introducing uh, St. John Devereaux. Is that how you say his last name? The drama instructor? Yeah. Devereaux. Uh, and announces that Captain George Stacy will be conducting a weekly police seminar. I have in my notes, uh, noted treason committer George Stacy will be conducting a <laughs> weekly seminar. <laughs> Um, you got you gotta learn you gotta learn from the best. Harry has some like rephrasing to learn. He refers to everybody as like a foursome at one point, and I'm like, I oh know, yeah, I don't know how they do things in Europe, man. But like, you gotta you gotta not say shit like that here. <laughs> you guys are like kids. Like, come on, put yourself together. Uh, Harry flirts with Gwen, uh, inviting her to Flash's birthday party as his date which Gwen accepts uh, kind of to get back at Peter. Uh, Harry cannot read the room and invites Liz and him on a double date, uh, which, you know, would make no sense because Liz reveals that Flash hasn't invited her since, you know, she's an ex. Uh, but somehow Peter has received an invitation and offers to take her, which why would you offer that? Because that sounds horrible. <laughs> But whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, who, do, who knows what goes on in the inner machinations of uh, Flash Thompson's mind? They really play up the uh, sand in the mouth, sand in pockets angle of everything on this show. He has a little like sand falling out of it when he pulls out the invitation. He's like throughout the episode. Peter's always got sand on him. It's very funny. <laughs> uh, while web slinging that evening, Spider-Man spots Eddie yet again. Uh, but before Peter could confront him, the alarm at the museum goes off. And when he goes to investigate, he finds Sandman, who berates him for always meddling in his attempts to get rich. I really love their dynamic in this episode. They really do, like, play up the fact that they've fought each other like a dozen times at this point in this episode. Yeah, it's a great. I think it's really funny that Eddie's just walking around town just to fuck with Peter. Yeah, like, yep, no, yeah, I'm here. What's going on? It is great. It's great. Um, Spider-Man criticizes him for uh, wasting his powers and potential on the same petty crimes that Flint Marco committed. And Sandman appears to undergo a little, like, a turn for a second. Like, uh, oh, are you serious? I could be a big hero like you? Uh, but of course, he's just, you know, fucking with him and, and smashes him up some more during all this. And then, uh, or also in the fight, we we see like a Sandman disguises himself as like a painting on the wall. Yeah, like an Egyptian uh, then, relief. Yeah, and then he like eats him. He like straight up like vores Spider Man. It's so fucked up. Absolutely. We got personas. Uh, we got vor. It's like the DeviantArt show. <laughs> Jesus, yeah they they let one of the totally spies animators work on this. Oh, good God. <laughs> Next, uh, there's gonna be there's gonna be some kind of feet thing. I know. I'm Spider-Man's greatest nemesis, the foot. <laughs> the foot. 
uh yeah uh sandman you know trumps him up in the middle of this with great power speech and just fucking leaves uh the next, the next morning harry gwen and liz pick peter up in a goblin green convertible which oh yeah Harry's parents must have got him because they love to fucking traumatize him you know get goblinized uh, <laughs> our son he got addicted to green goblin juice make sure we get him the same color car just to fuck with him uh they they pick peter up to head to flash's house for the party flash's mother turns out to be the one who gave uh peter the invitation uh revealing that he and peter were once childhood friends best friends even uh much to flash's horror and the shock of everybody flash's click gwen harry we even get a fun little uh, explanation of the nickname with like a naked baby picture. Uh, yeah, these uh, these three episodes, these last three episodes, uh, five, six, and seven, they're like really, really fun with Flash in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they, they uh, really do a lot with this character here. And there's a uh, there's something that goes on here and in the next episode as well, uh, where they have these like little intercut moments, like between scenes of oh, like yeah, characters yeah. talking to the camera. In this episode, they're like it's Flash's mom recording a video for Flash's birthday, and the next episode, it's them reading Shakespeare that has to like relate to what's going on in the episode. And I, I really, really like it. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, it really ties everything together, keeps it on theme. We get a great little scene at Rockaway Beach, uh, <laughs> where uh, Sandman scares some bullies off from a little girl building sandcastles. Uh, Hammerhead shows up and kind of chides him, calls him out for his behavior, helping little girls, and gives him his cut, his reduced cut, of the payment for the stolen museum exhibit stuff. Sandman complains about the paltry amount left over from the cuts Tombstone and Dr. Octopus took. Uh, But Hammerhead tells him of a way to stop a nearby oil tanker so that the big man can rob it. Sandman... One one thing about that... uh, One thing about that stand castle scene it reminds me of a deleted scene i don't know if we talked about it in the episode uh for spider-man 3 uh but there's like a deleted scene where sam goes to like try to like see what his daughter is doing and like disguises himself as a sand castle hmm. no it's I, uh, I, it's fun I, I like that it's fun uh sandman assimilates like the entire beach and immobilizes the ship with like a turning himself into, like, a mobile uh, sandbar, essentially. Yeah. Uh, At Flash's party, Peter believes he spots Eddie Brock again, but Sandman's attack of the tanker forces him to postpone investigating this. At the beach, uh, Hammerhead watches Sandman and Spider-Man fight while his divers begin to drain the tanker of oil. Uh, Sandman releases his hold on the tanker to pursue Spider-Man causing the drainage pumps to detach and spill oil into the ocean. So it's uh, something that's never brought up ever again. Yeah, right. Like you think Jameson would have a fucking field day with that massive oil spill. Uh, but yeah, Sandman goes fucking big mode. Oh yeah. He, he begins assimilating the ocean floor to grow even larger. Uh, their fight tears the ship apart and ignites the oil floating on the water. And Spider-Man catches what he believes to be a glimpse of Venom watching from the shore. Venom! Enabling Sandman to finally get a hold of him. 
as the tanker begins to go the way of the Titanic, Sandman notices crew trapped inside and rescues them. Peter like tries to stop him at first before realizing what he's doing. Good guy, uh, Sandman. Sandman protests that he was only ever in it for the money and he never meant for innocence to get hurt, uh, eventually grabbing and throwing Spider-Man to safety as well. The tanker combusts and self-destructs and Sandman wraps himself around it and the resulting explosion turns him to glass and Spider-Man sadly watches while Sandman's glazed body crumbles, uh, laments his former foe's heroic sacrifice and web swings away. Before Sandman materializes on the beach, smiling all smug before fading into the wind. And it's like Peter literally froze and killed him like a week ago. You know what? Do you think he was actually dead? Yeah, <laughs> but I, I like I like to see like good guy Sandman. I think it's fun. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Heart of gold. Uh, to put his worries to rest, Peter checks the construction site where he buried the symbiote in concrete and is relieved to find it completely undisturbed. As he leaves, Eddie Brock, dressed in a... It, it reminds me of um, the Raimi human spider suit a lot. It's like... Yeah, he like... For Venom. I like the idea of, of Eddie like sitting in like his... Uh, wherever he lives now since he left his dorm. Uh, right. Just like spending like an afternoon making this suit with like construction paper and like marker races. Like, mm, make the suit. <laughs> I uh, this is my symbiote and it's just black sweatpants and a sweatshirt with like cricket vinyl on it. Anyway, yeah, like him him following Peter to go find the 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 symbiote in a canvas bag. Uh it, it's it's a it's a really like like absolutely devil mode. Steps out of the shadows and sarcastically thanks Peter for leading him straight to the symbiote. And pulls out a comical cartoon sledgehammer and begins excavating, uh, ending the fifth episode. Taking us into episode six, Growing Pains. Uh, this is a, f a weird one, but it's fun. Uh, a trio of masked thugs are fleeing down an alley with uh, duffel bags of stolen goods. Before they're accosted by Spider-Man? Question mark? Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> Spider-Man in a black and white costume. It's it's yeah, it's Spider-Man, but he looks like super like even more built than Spider-Man already was. It's uh, it's when, really funny. When the police arrive, this mysterious black Spider-Man attacks them as well before making off with the thieves duffel bags. The following morning at ESU's laboratory, uh, the Connors, J. Jonah Jameson, uh, Peter and Gwen all collectively watch as Colonel Jameson grows seven feet tall and inhumanly strong, which when this first happened, made me go, did I miss a fucking episode? Yeah, he just gets big all of a sudden. It, it, it's very out of nowhere. Like it's I, really, I keep saying a, this, but it's really funny. This is a fine episode and it's a weird episode, but like, I feel like the pacing of this one scene could have standed to, to be rewrote a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, gets big and they're like, what's going on? Huh? Why is he big? Um, Dr. Connors reveals that Colonel Jameson was infected by alien spores that had been living on the symbiote and not the, not not the not the symbiote. Yeah, it, like they like the, they had to specify that it's not the mm -hmm. symbiote. It's spores that were attached to the symbiote. Right. Which is it, it's which partially they, uh, I 
It's partially, I think, based on the last issue that Steve Ditko worked on for Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, which is a not very good story called Just a Guy Named Joe, where a guy like finds spores and a meteor and just grows big and becomes like a superhero and then fights Spider-Man. Uh, Way to it's, go. It's, it's, it's so... It's like such a weird thing to introduce out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there were, you would think there's any kind of logical connection like well, does Peter have brain spores? But they just never mention it. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> um, is there going to be a point in the middle of an episode where Peter grows seven feet tall? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, the spores were altering his body to be better suited to a high-mass, high-gravity environment. Um, Jonah angrily demands that Dr. Connors cure his son. But Dr. Connor states the only thing they have uh, that seems to affect the spores is electricity and gives Colonel Jameson a specialized suit to monitor his condition and to like better adjust him to our Earth conditions with his new physiology. Yeah, they give, they give him the Jupiter suit, they call it, because like they mm-hmm. think the spores came from Jupiter. From some kind of environment like Jupiter, yeah. Yeah, like Jupiter. Jameson uh, protests that the Jupiter suit makes his son look like a superhero. Uh, but Dr. Connors informs him the suit is specifically designed to suppress the spores activity and monitor the colonel's vital signs, uh, but also warns that the spores may eventually uh, affect his personality as well. Pretty ominous. Uh, at Midtown High, uh, Flash confronts Shashan and asks why she didn't come to his party, and she rebukes him with you know the truth of why the fuck would i come to your party uh totally unimpressed by his immaturity and arrogance uh hopefully we see some some flash growth soon uh poor guy peter begins to suggest to jonah that colonel jameson embrace his new powers uh but is interrupted by a phone call from the bugle detailing the black spider-man's attack on the police jubilant uh, Jonah declares that he is finally has all the evidence he needs to take Spider-Man down for good, uh, and then suggests that his son be the one to bring Spider-Man to justice, flipping through a couple of names before landing on Colonel Jupiter for his son. Uh, I like to consider myself pretty well-versed in this shit. Had no idea Colonel Jupiter was a thing. I didn't know either, honestly. I thought it was taking more cues from just a guy named Joe and mm-hmm. just putting it onto Colonel Jameson. But yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. He's 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 here. You learn something new every day. That evening, uh, Spider-Man goes hunting for his dark doppelganger and notices an out-of-control armored car with a webbed-up windshield. Uh, before Spider-Man can rescue the driver, who accuses him of being the attacker, He's grabbed from behind by a web from Venom, who taunts him for a good while. Uh, Spider-Man attempts to fight back, but uh, Venom simply tosses him into a fuse box, uh, knocking it into the fuel spilled by the crashed car. The resulting explosion then sets an apartment on fire, and the smoke is seen by Colonel Jameson, who decides to play hero. Uh, Venom retreats, as John arrives and introduces himself to Spider-Man as Colonel Jupiter. They work together to clear out the apartment complex, and when the uh, armored car's driver, single Spider-Man, is the one who started the fire, Colonel Jupiter offers to help Spider-Man explain his innocence to the police. 
but that would require uh, the risk of being forced to reveal his secret identity. So Spider-Man refuses this and uh, decides to take off, having to briefly overpower uh, Colonel Jupiter to do so. Which yeah, Colonel Colonel Jupiter, being a being a fascist pig, decides is like, no, you have to tell them, and he gets really mad. And that's Spider-Man what we were escapes. taught in space: is that you have to. You <laughs> in have space to... school, this is what they teach you. There's a point where um, Jameson, Colonel Jupiter, makes some crack about like being able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, and it's like, are you legally allowed to do that? It's like uh, it's like uh, in Spider Verse when Spider Ham yeah. says. Uh, that's all, folks. Is he allowed to say that, like, legally? Hoeing the line, as always. And one thing about that fire sequence, it just reminds me of the the, the fire in uh, Spider-Man 2, which, mm-hmm. what a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good stuff. Um, I swear to God, at points, uh, Colonel Jupiter makes, like, $6 million man sounds, like that sound when he's, like, jumping or something. Yeah, it sounded uh, like the $6 million man, yeah. So between that and the Godzilla sound, I swear I heard in the earlier episode, it's like, geez, they're really hitting the Google sound effects free download bar. Uh, Later at school, Gwen agrees to become Harry's girlfriend, uh, fed up of being jealous of Peter and Liz. Uh, Flash corners Peter and demands that he help him win over Shashan, and Peter recommends joining the Drama Club, where auditions are taking place for an upcoming uh, Shakespeare production. Oh yeah. As John watches a news broadcast on Venom's crime spree and muses on Spider-Man's innocence, or maybe lack thereof, he's attacked by Venom under the guise of the Black Spider-Man, leaving him enraged as the spores begin to affect his personality. Uh, meanwhile, con, uh, happening during that, Joan Wild- Jonah demands that Captain Stacy issue a warrant for Spider-Man's arrest, just demanding to know why he isn't arrested already. Uh, and then better yet, he should deputize his son and let him do the job because that's how it works, you know. And and but, Captain Stacy like puts in like actual detective work and is like, these are like obviously the builds are completely different, the suits look different. The fighting it's style like, is completely different. The fighting style is different. Yeah, it's like it's kind of crazy that he's using like actual detective work to defend Spider-Man. That's that's really cool. Yeah, Captain Stacy fucking rules in this show. Yeah, dude's right. Uh, Jameson wants to brush aside all the evidence, but Captain Stacy reminds him, and this is what puts Shonen in his place, of what happened that the last time the Bugle falsely accused Spider-Man of being a criminal, uh, with the rare retraction he had to print. Jameson oh, yeah. when when, uh, when Black Hat stole the the Zoo Books Tiger poster. <laughs> Jameson receives a phone call from his son uh, informing him of the attack, uh, and Jameson tells his son to wait until the police determine whether the real Spider-Man is responsible or not. In a very rare, you know, normal and cool moment for Jonah, John, who is uh, under the influence of the spores, refuses to listen and states that he intends to put a permanent end to Spider-Man who he then finds and attacks. Uh, Spider-Man was out looking for Venom, and then we move into the planetarium fight sequence. Uh, probably my favorite fight of this uh, episode, of uh, of this series of episodes we are covering on this episode of the podcast. Definitely my favorite fight sequence. Uh, I'm a sucker for Venom. I like Venom fights. I like everything that we saw earlier with the various uh, iterations of the Sinister Six, but... 
there's something about this goofy set piece where they're fighting that I really love. Yeah, and, and their big science museum. It's fun. Yeah, I like it, and especially at the, at the, at the, the way that the way that he finishes him off, where he, he brings him into this like gigantic cavernous room with two big, uh, what are those called the big things with the silver Vandegraf balls on them. That, generators. Yeah, that like generate electricity. And he like puts him in the middle and just zaps him like a bug and he shrinks down to normal size. Yeah, it's just something about Spider-Man and this big, goofy, Buzz Lightyear looking motherfucker just fighting on giant planets. It's, it's a it's, lot of fun. It's, it's a big, dumb Silver Age story. I like it. Absolutely. That's that's exactly what it feels like. Um, They trash the planetarium during the fight. Uh, Spider-Man remembers what Dr. Connor said about the spores being weak to electricity, as you said, and uh, Colonel Jupiter is then lured into the giant Van de Graaff generator cave and is hit with two million volts, uh, purging the spores from his system. John, who had been driven insane by the spores, is committed to Ravencroft, leaving Jonah heartbroken uh, and broken up over Spider-Man, quote-unquote, destroying his son. Uh, at school, past that, Mr. Devereaux posts the cast sheet for A Midsummer Night's Dream with uh, Harry, MJ, Glory, Kenny, and Shashan all getting the parts that they were hoping to get, uh, with Flash getting nothing. Outrage that he wasn't given a role, uh, which interrupts Peter's brooding over Venom in the hall. He's doing a little like soliloquy in his head that's interrupted by, you know, all that. As he normally is. At the bugle, Jameson is furiously blaming his son's condition on Spider-Man. And in the crux of the episode, to Peter's horror, Venom abruptly leaps through the window and announces to everybody in the building that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, ending the episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I could not believe that uh, they really just went for it there, you know? It is it's it's crazy and it's uh it's it's really funny that in the next it, we're, we can just might as well just segue into the next episode. Right, it's right. It's really it's really funny that uh the whole Daily Bugle team like takes this fucking sharp teeth monstrous tongue big black slimy alien immediately at face value like yep, we totally believe you. Uh-huh. Yep, we're going to run huh, the story. Yeah. Uh, before we do fully move into the final episode of the podcast tonight, um, I wanted to mention there's a quip from the fight with Colonel Jupiter where uh, Peter refers to him as Cap Colonel Stupider, and that actually made me laugh so hard I cried. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I just, it, it really got me. I don't know. It's funny. Um, but yes, our final episode, uh, Venom has announced the, uh, identity of Spider-Man as Peter Parker to everybody. And, uh, in the aftermath of this event, Jameson has asked Ned Lee to, uh, interview everyone Spider-Man contacted, as well as, uh, close friends of Peter's as well. Um, Robbie sends Peter home, telling Jameson that he thinks Peter's just a kid, but they also have the potential next day's front page. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Uh, the following day, Harry tells Peter that Ned interviewed his father while Flash continues to flirt with Shashan and unsuccessfully uh, attempt to convince Mr. Devereaux to give him a part in the play. <laughs> Captain Stacy is conducting a really timely seminar on identity theft, and Ned interviews the Connors 
who initially laugh at the idea of Peter being Spider-Man until they realize that it being true would explain numerous instances and uh, ultimately refuse to comment on the matter, which in my head pretty much solidifies them as knowing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do like going back a little bit, I really like the idea of Captain Stacy just even for this short brief time being at Peter's school. I think that's a really interesting story beat. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, especially with everything that's happened to Gwen in the last few episodes, for sure. Yeah, it's cool. At uh, ESU's lab, Eddie Brock makes his prodigal son return. Oh uh, much to Connors and Gwen's delight. Very, very arrogant entrance. <laughs> I'm back. I know I've vanished and everyone thought I was dead, but you love me. Here I am. Yeah. And uh, Peter and him end up like, you know, having a kind of like a, a heated little moment right there before uh, Peter is like trying to get Gwen out of there. Mm -hmm. uh, but oh, my God, the, the people listening to the podcast won't be able to see it, but. I'll, I'll, pull, I'll probably put, end up posting it on Twitter, so you'll be able to see it there on our Twitter, at SpideySignals. Uh, I'm going to post it in the Discord right now. Eddie makes this fucking face that is so funny. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to fucking come after you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely remember that. He looks like Brock Samson in that picture. It's so, he makes like the doofiest, he's like, yeah. Oh my God, it's, it's really so funny. stupid. I love it so much. It's, it's like for one frame too. Like he makes a normal-ish face and then it's just that for a second and then it's gone. And he does this little stupid grin. I love it. It was like, as I, like one, one of his eyelids that's closed God. more than the other. It's like, if you didn't already have a thumbnail picked out, maybe that should be it. I don't think that's going to be it, but you know, I'll think about it. Uh, Eddie accepts Martha's offer of his old job back, which, you know, Peter went and did some stuff and lost his job. Eddie just fucking disappeared. But, oh, well, you're back. I guess you can have your job. Fuck you, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, just like fuck this guy. In a uh, in a private discussion with Peter laments uh, that the bugle is taking their time with the scoop that, uh, oh, hey, they haven't told your big secret yet, bud. Uh, Peter. In, in so many words, tells Eddie to fuck off and uh, leaves with Gwen to go meet with Harry and Liz at a diner, only to be confronted by a horde of paparazzi. Uh, there's a fun little moment where uh, one of them asks, does Spidey go invisible? And in the back of my head, I'm like, well, he does now. Uh, <laughs> ha ha. But uh, <laughs> ha 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 ha. <laughs> I think they even make a joke like that in Spider-Verse. Like, Spider-Man doesn't turn invisible. It's not a thing he does. Uh, Peter and Gwen hide in a heart-shaped sculpture, but uh, they have a little romantic almost-kiss moment, which is interrupted by Harry calling Gwen to inform her that he and Liz are waiting for them. You know, great, great timing there. Um, Peter opts to pass on lunch, and later that evening accosts Eddie as Spider-Man. He asks Eddie if he realizes that he's putting everyone in danger, but Eddie, transforming into Venom, uh, sneers to him that he can't wait to teach Peter's friends uh, or to watch Peter's friends and family turn against him and teach him the lesson, you know, that he felt he had to learn. Yeah, he's uh, Eddie here in this episode is like super like de devious, like he's not yeah. just like super dumb, mindless, like I'm going to kill you and also kill all your friends. He's like, I'm going to ruin your life. And then later on, he pulls out, he ends up uh, stealing the gene cleanser yeah. from the ESU lab. And he's like, I'm going to reveal your identity. 
I'm going to make you drink this uh, this sauce that takes away all your powers. And then I'm going to kill all your friends, and then I'm going to kill you. And it's like that's so fucked up. I love oh, it. He's he's fucking evil. He's he's, he's so really he's so evil. Venom can be devious, and they really got that right with this take on the character. Um, it's not my favorite Eddie Brock, but it's a great Venom. It's a phenomenal Venom. Uh, they fight. And uh, Venom defeats Spider-Man and uh, pins him to the ground in front of the paparazzi. Uh, Spider-Man breaks free, but Venom taunts him by asking the crowd that if he wasn't Peter Parker, he wouldn't be so disinclined to show his face. Uh, Spider-Man goads Venom into punching him hard enough to knock him onto the roof of ESU, enabling him to escape. But uh, yeah, great, great sequence there. Um, God, I, I, I love Peter secret identity stories, and this is a great, great take on it. Yeah, it's, not... it's a really fun one. And the moment when Peter walks through the, the school uh, when everybody's like trying to like get like asking questions and like newspaper reporters and stuff just reminds me of the fucking uh, trailer for uh, No Way Home. Uh, I'm excited for that movie. It's going to be something. We got it's what? Be like, something. Give or take two and a half months left. Uh yeah, I mean I'm I'm mostly looking at it through weeks because uh, that's sure, how yeah. we have this 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 uh, series schedule. We've only got uh, yeah about eleven weeks left. Yeah, sounds about right. Cannot wait. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be exciting. At uh Midtown High, Peter is glumly contending with the speculation that you know everybody is hurling at him, like you mentioned in the halls and everything. While Eddie steals a vial of gene cleanser from the Connors lab, which that shit just no one pays attention. Everybody's taking Gene Cleanser. Uh, <laughs> Flash is interviewed by Ned and tells him that anyone could dress up as Spider-Man and to prove his point, puts on a Spider-Man costume. However, uh, a pair of thugs see him in his weakened, broken-legged state and decide to take advantage of this and try to beat the shit out of him. Um... Peter decides it's time to admit some truths and arrives in time to save Flash from the th thugs. Uh, with this, Venom attacks him, webbing him to a car and announcing his intent to depower Peter after unmasking him. This whole devious plan of his. Uh, leaving evil him mode. Unable to protect himself or his loved ones from the inevitable retribution that Venom is going to wreak on him. He's, Venom, yeah, he's just so fucking like devious, absolutely devilish. A sad little mask superhero, soon to have no mask and no super. Recognize this gene cleanser. After your identity's revealed, we'll pour it down your throat. Then we'll sit back and laugh while all your enemies attack Peter Parker. <laughs> leaving you powerless to defend yourself or the ones you love. Venom peels the mask off of Spider-Man, but uh, Peter flips the car over to keep his face hidden and eventually manages to snatch the mask back. Their brawl continues into the school, where Venom pins him to the wall of the science lab. Gwen appears and yells at Venom to stop, uh, distracting him long enough for Spider-Man to break away. Uh, some acid gets splashed on the symbiote. Uh, very cool sequence there. A lot of, you know, little tendrils squealing and squirming away. Yeah. Uh, and then exploding after uh, being ignited uh, 
Venom gets ignited, then, you know, there's a little explosion there. Uh, long enough for Peter to get a few hits in. Uh, a baseball bat gets grabbed at one point, and it's mixed into the fray. Just great, great fight sequence here. A, a good yeah, the baseball bat that he takes and, like, clangs against lockers to, like, make mm-hmm. sound to fuck with Venom. Yeah, um, really good stuff. I love a good fight at school with this. You know, another great set piece. It's all about. I, I literally also wrote in my notes, love a good school fight. <laughs> wow. Two guys with the same name and the same brain talking about Spider-Man. Exactly. Uh, an enraged Venom chases Spider-Man across the entire school and to the gym's locker room where Flash is sulking after his failed attempt to convince the reporters that Peter isn't Spider-Man. Flash distracts Venom for long enough for Spider-Man to swipe the gene cleanser and stuff it down his throat. Really gnarly little sequence there. Uh, tips the whole thing down. Yeah, he just fucking jams it in there. And then uh, I don't know how this works with a symbiotic relationship, but the gene cleanser right. just makes uh, the symbiote separate and go down a drain. <laughs> I like internally rationalized it as like maybe it reset Eddie to like his defaults before the symbiote liked him, you know, I guess I know. something like that, something like that. Uh, as the symbiote peels away from him and oozes down a drain into the sewers, uh, Eddie desperately forgets the events of the last few weeks and begs Peter Spider-Man to help him get it back. You know, just absolute, you know, uh not withdrawals, but like maybe withdrawals, just immediate dependency. He needs it back. Yeah. Uh, Peter tells his former friend that he can finally let go of his hatred, but Eddie glumly states that the symbiote only loves him for the hatred. Great little Venom moment there. Yep. As he is carted away in a stretcher meant for Ravencroft, Eddie swears that he will always be Venom, and once the symbiote returns to him, they will destroy Spider-Man once and for all. Mr. Devereaux approaches Flash and tells him that after witnessing Flash's attempt to help Spider-Man, he's reconsidered and decides to cast him as Nick Bottom in a Midsummer Night's Dream, leading to a very cartoonish Flash with a jackass head for a few minutes, a few seconds scene there. Just more it's something than this cartoon has ever been. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a it's really weird, but it's funny. Flash attempts to ask uh, Shashan for some private rehearsal time, and she tells him that he has the part nailed. Uh, when Miles Warren notices the stolen vial of gene cleanser, he uses it as a final straw type announcement to uh, announce that due to the Connor's shoddy security record, he will request to have management of the lab turned over to himself, ignoring Martha's requests. Uh... If she has any complaints, she can take it up with a fucking forty-five in his pocket, I guess. Uh, at the Daily Bugle, Ned concludes that if uh, Peter isn't Spider-Man, uh, rather that Peter is not Spider-Man, no if there, uh, Peter is not the Spider-Man based on his investigation. And uh, Peter silently thanks uh, Flash for, you know, the everything that he did to help contribute to the Peter isn't Spider-Man brigade. Uh, Peter Riley comments on the Daily Bugle's morning paper that proclaims his innocence, but that Spider-Man is still at large. While yeah, I, again, some... this this has some um, some really fun flash moments. This whole episode, oh yeah, and uh, 
I want I want to jump back really quick uh, to yeah, the yeah. scene where Peter Venom pins Peter against that car. I love that nobody really cares that he's like, "I'm gonna fucking kill you," and everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, okay, whatever, it works." Yeah. He didn't pull out his scimitar, so no one took him seriously. <laughs> Everybody's very nonchalant about this. That's like the third straight up death threat against Peter between like the impale him on your horn and then the scimitar and then I'm going to murder you in front of everybody, Spider-Man. Nobody helps. It just keeps happening. We get some shots of the uh, symbiote slinking through the sewers as well. And past that at the criminology seminar, uh, Captain Stacy states that while he initially saw Spider-Man's heroics as nothing more than vigilanteism, if the wall crawler's true identity was to be revealed, then everyone he ever cared about would be in constant danger, concluding that rather than using the mask to hide, Spider-Man is using it as a way to protect those he cares for, asking Peter, the only fucking person in the room, if he agrees. Captain Stacy leaves, and uh, I'm, I might be dumb, but I'm pretty sure Captain Stacy straight up is like, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, you're, you're Spider-Man. Yeah, right. and it's interesting because, you know, that's in that uh, that classroom. But Peter is like the only person there. I was like, why is he just talking to him all by himself? It, it's it's certainly something. Yeah, uh, this uh, this wraps up the seventh episode of the second season of the Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Good. stuff. Good, good stuff. Alex. Do you uh you have any fun facts for these seven episodes? I I don't have any for these specific seven. I am going to consolidate all of my season two trivia for next next week's episode just for uh the sake of having it all in one spot together, if that makes sense. I see, I see. Uh all right. So then what are your what are your sort of overall thoughts about these first seven episodes? Really solid. The master planner arc was a fun surprise. Uh, I I love anything to do with, you know, a good sinister team up. Uh, I the Colonel Jupiter stuff was a little out of left field for me. Uh, again, admittedly being, you know, a pretty, pretty invested comic book slash Spider-Man guy. It's not something I was familiar with to the point where I was like, Jesus, is this show making this up? And I had to Google it. But, you know, uh, it, it's always fun to to you know, learn something, I guess, uh, to access a weird side character like that and, and bring him into the fray. That's how a lot of fan favorites get made, I guess. But I don't know if any if anybody's favorite is, is Colonel Jupiter. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed these episodes a lot. It's the great makings of a, a great first half of a, a season of TV. I am really saddened to see some of these arcs go the way they have because i feel like we're seeing a lot of stuff for the last time like i i don't imagine they're gonna bring eddie back again i imagine everything's done with venom from this point on but i could be wrong yeah uh, so, something tells me that eddie's like not coming back for the rest of the show right. uh i'd be surprised if we saw sandman again to be completely honest with you um I, I get the feeling we're going to be seeing a lot of characters final appearance and not even realizing it. Um, yeah, I think we're... the goblin is back in the second half of the season, but I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm Terry. pretty sure he is. I'm pretty sure he's coming back. Yeah. Whether that's but... Harry or not, I guess will be the twist, but that's to be whether seen. It, whether, whether it ever was Harry. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I, I'm very, very much looking forward to the second half of this. The first half uh, set 
a really high bar. It didn't even set a high bar. It, it cleared the same high bar that the first season did. Um, yeah. Like I said in last week's episode and probably the week before that, there's a lot of hype around this show. And when a show gets canceled in its prime or before it can really take off, there tends to build this uh, fan base of people that gets so caught up in the fact that it was gunned down in its prime that that overrides how good it actually was. I don't need to point fingers or anything, but like I used to be that guy with Firefly and then I turned like 15 and I stopped. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, so sometimes good things end and they end too soon, but that's fine. Or because if they didn't, you'd we'd be on season 15 of the spectacular Spider-Man and it would suck. Um, I'm, I'm not happy that, uh, you know, as good as this is, we're now looking down the barrel at the end of it. But that just uh, that just stands as a testament to the the quality of the show. Uh, I'm real, like I said, really, truly looking forward to the second half and seeing how it all ends. I wouldn't be horribly averse to the idea of them bringing it back someday, but it would have to be under like the super right conditions. Uh, you'd have to have the right creative on it. And honestly, maybe when the focus is less on like the cinematic aspect of Spider-Man right now, I feel like Spider-Man fatigue is a very real thing. Yeah, and and you know you you get it's it's a hard thing to to work through, especially in this this podcast where we've got a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm still really enjoying this show so far. No, uh, like great. I yeah. said, like I said, I did have a, a bit of a problem with uh, the way that they they handled the uh, master planner stuff at the end. Uh, but overall, this show has continued its its level of of quality. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see where these last six episodes will take us. And I'm ready to be really upset that they mm-hmm. were not able to complete these storylines and these f- finish these uh, think threads that they wanted to pick up on. Uh, and I'm uh, I'm not going to end up being one of those guys where it's like, oh, bring bring back the show. It's like it's not going to happen. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be. It's going to be one of those great uh, what could have been's. Thing. Yeah, I, I I haven't finished it yet. Neither of us have, but I I do think once we're done here, I'm going to invest in my own physical like DVD set of this show just to have it. I really like it. It's something Maybe, I want to show people. It's good. Yeah. It's, Maybe, it's I don't. I, I, something tells me they haven't put it out on Blu-ray, but no, I, I wish they would have. Yeah. I'll just I'll it, burn my own Blu-ray discs of DVD quality material and cry myself to sleep at night with it. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Uh, all right. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got a question or a comment that you want us to read on next week's episode, be sure to send it to us at our email address, spidey signals podcast at gmail.com. Or you can shoot us a DM on our Twitter at spidey signals. Next week, we're going to finish off our discussion of this television program, uh, and talk about the last six episodes of the spectacular Spider-Man. So until then, stay responsible. Uh, bye. Happy Halloween. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah.